It's wonderful to see you this morning. We've got several families over in the multi-purpose room visiting, so it's really good crowd for this morning. So thank you all again for the adjustments uh, you're, you're making uh, with one another. So we're at, I am on time, right? We're at the Okay, good. I stand out there wondering. I got here 30 seconds ago thinking, I think this is when I come in. Um, we're in 2 Corinthians, and throughout this series, we've been looking at what does Paul have to say about what we are to be in Christ. We've said so far that it's a sanctified life, that it's a separated life from sin. Uh, it's also a serious life, that we're always asking, what's that next step that we need to take? We've also shared in that, in that letter that it is to be a life of risk and reaching. Our minds are always to be on how can we share the gospel with other people through our attitudes, through our actions, but even through our words. And then last week we looked at it's a giving life and it's a glorifying life, that we actually get to be a part of the glory of God, sharing uh, his glory and how we respond. So what we're going to do today, and you can go, up, go later, our bulletins are actually online if you want sermon notes, but I want us to look at two things today in, in chapter 12. But you see that really throughout all of the letter. One is this, as we look at Paul's life, we notice it is an available life. Verses 7 and 14, I can't wait, I want to come to you. This is a church that Paul founded, and so he was making himself available uh, to these people. And, and he not only, not only says that, but you got to remember, this isn't the first letter. It's not even the second letter. He wrote 1 Corinthians 1. Then he writes them a tear-stained letter. Now this is the third letter. Now he's saying, hey, I want to be available to you. It hasn't always been easy for Paul. We'll get into that in a minute. But it's a reminder to us that it is to be an available life. And if you're a note taker, I want to give you three ways in which we see this. The first would be a couple of words. Time and preferences. We see the way in which Paul gifts his time to this church. He doesn't write them off when he's had issues. He gives his time and he actually defers to them and works with them. Even though he's been struggling with them uh, for two different letters, he's still available. He's had, now think about this, this is Paul. He's had to defend his apostleship to them. There's been some real struggles and yet he still says to them, I'm available to you. I want to come to you. This is not his only church. This is not his only mission. And yet he says, hey, I'm available to you with my time. Now, I want to say something carefully to you. There is a reminder here for us, because you see it in the life of Paul, and as we talk about John Wesley, uh, you're going to see this there too. There are some boundaries, some obvious boundaries we have to make with time and availability, okay? What you see in Paul's life, what he, what he modeled for us before I'm available to anybody else, I'm available to God. And you and I can't have the ministry and the impact we want to have if we're running around available to everybody and to everything and we haven't met with the Father. If we've not worshipped, if we've not done the spiritual disciplines, if we've not had time to be encouraged by other believers. So he, he makes time to be available for the spiritual disciplines in God first. There are boundaries there. I would also say to you in terms of boundaries, if you don't set up some boundaries and you're available to everybody, they, they will take the life out of you. And so there are some times in Scripture, you see it with Jesus, and later John Wesley's going to say to it, and you saw it in our Bible reading plan this week in Luke. 
hey, there are times to shake the dust off your sandals. As a matter of fact, that's what Wesley said after he left America. I shook the dust off my sandals. It's okay to do that. You want to seek the help of a brother or sister in Christ as you make that decision before you walk from a ministry or a person you've been trying to invest in. But be careful with the boundaries. So the preacher in this word is not saying just go out and do everything for everybody. But it really is a tough check. Is your time yours? Or or can you be available with your time? You see that so clearly here with Paul. He's, He's not only open to them, but you just watch his life in Acts. He's constantly interrupted. He's constantly shifting focus. Wherever people need him, that's where he'll go. He does a wonderful preaching or a ministry, and they say, hey, would you stay a few days? I can't stay a few days. No, sure, I'll stay a few days. And, and gives his time and his preferences up to people who need him. And you see the same thing with Wesley, too. You read his journals. You watch his practice of ministry. Where are the kids? I'll give time. This, this is a guy trained. This guy's a proper English clergyman. Where are the kids? This is, this is a man who, after he preached one time to 25,000 people, the next sentence is, I went and spent time with three or four people who wanted to be more serious about their faith. He gifts his time uh, to others. And uh, again, there's times to send boundaries, but I, I love what John Wesley said. I just don't want to send anyone away empty. And again, that's a check for me. Maybe it's a check for you. But there have been times because of my commitment to my family or my commitment to my work or my recreation that people have come to me, come to you with a need, and we've sent them away empty because we wouldn't give over our time. It's not just time, but it's, it's preferences, especially when you look at the life of Wesley. If you remember Wesley's practice of preaching, he loved to preach in churches, but eventually his friend talked him into going outside the church walls to preach. He considered that a vile thing, to be outside preaching the gospel. And yet, he preached in fields, he preached in yards, he preached in barns, he preached in the marketplace, he preached in the streets when they wouldn't let him into a playhouse that they had designated where he was going to preach. They went to the women's market and he preached there. One time a town wouldn't let him into the town hall to preach, so he went into a workshop and preached there. One time he even had to preach at a beach. Well, that's pretty good, actually. So I, I'd be good for that. But one time, I think it was when he was in Scotland or Ireland, yeah, there's some unreached people. They're up there on a mountain. Okay, let's climb it. Climbed a mountain. Now listen, this is John Wesley who said that that kind of stuff was vile. Matter of fact, in his journal, he said, I like a commodious room. I like a a soft pew cushion, and I like a handsome pulpit. That's what he said. But there's two reasons I do field preaching is what he said. Even though I consider it vile, he even said I consider this a cross to bear, to be out in the streets. I do it because it's the only way I can get the gospel, in his words, to every creature. So I'll do it even though I don't like it. You know the other reason he didn't do it? I mean the reason he did it? Because somebody else didn't like it. You know who it was? He wrote in his journal, the devil hates it when I do it. So I do it. The devil hates the fruit of what's happening because I'm out where people are and I'm sharing the gospel. So I don't like it, but I'll be, in his journal, more vile so that souls are won 
Plus, the devil doesn't like it, so I'm going to keep doing it. Available with time and preferences. What's that next step for you? With your time, with your preferences. It's hard to give up preferences. I was hosting Vladimir Konsinyevich, a Russian pastor in Krasnodar, uh, Russia, a Russian pastor there. He had come over to the States uh, to visit with Christ Methodist Church. They were a sister church, and he came over to share about the ministry. And that particular night, I was to host him, but also take him to eat and then let him speak to my college group. He told me, Barry, I want, I want sandwich. Get me good sandwich. So I took him to McAllister's, right? Get him some Mississippi sweet tea, right? Get him a good sandwich. We stood in line forever. We finally get, and I'm like, we got to hustle. We got to get to a meeting. We finally get up to the menu, I mean, to order there. And he says, no, I want fish. Take me to get fish. All right, we're going to get fish. So where we were, the only fish place I knew around was a Red Lobster. Get in the car. We raced a Red Lobster. We don't have much time. Now, I'm going to tell you something. You're going to get on to me, but that's too bad. I don't like fish. I don't like that texture. Now, listen, I do like fried catfish, so I'm okay, all right? So I do like fried catfish. Let that be said. But the texture of all that other stuff, I just can't do it. I cannot do it. So when we get to Red Lobster, what do I order? I'll have the chicken. Right? I went to Red Lobster to order chicken. Here's what he ordered. Don't bring me most expensive. You bring me most flavorful. Now, excuse what I'm about to say to you, but basically they just put a bunch of mucus on his plate. They got scallops, mollusks, every little... I didn't even know what half that stuff was. It looked horrible. It turned my stomach just looking at it. He took one bite of that plate and went, no. Now I got the mucus. <laughs> what do you do? I ate every last bite of that stuff. I still feel it. <laughs> Why? Here's a guy risking for the gospel. Here's a guy who is being persecuted by the Russian Orthodox Church because he's a Protestant. A guy who has in living in an area, we actually went and did a retreat in a Muslim-controlled area, who's putting his life on the line where we're doing street preaching and just bringing it. I can eat some mucus for that. What are the ways in which you're holding on to your preferences and Jesus can't have them? What we see in Paul, what we see in Wesley is, I'm available I'm all in. Take my stuff and help me to be available to people for your glory. Time and preferences. The second thing we see, and it's in uh, verse, excuse me, uh, it's in verse 19. It's not just being available with your time and preferences, but you see in 19 there, and you're going to actually see it throughout the, the, the other uh, uh, chapters here. He's available with his hurts. Paul, Paul's been dinged by this church. This church has questioned, not only questioned his apostleship. This is Jesus who met, I mean, Paul who met Jesus on the road to Damascus. I've been face to face with the resurrected Lord. You're going to tell me something? I'm the one who founded you and have risked for you. Let me tell you, let me get this right. You're the ones who followed these false teachers that I'm having to write my tear-stained letter to you and you also gave them money. I never asked of money for you. You followed false doctrines, false teachers. You wasted money that should have been for the Jerusalem gift. Yeah, 
Paul presses through all of that and plays hurt. Now again, don't mishear me. There are times to create boundaries. We don't have to stay where we're being injured or violated. Don't mishear me now. But I love that Paul, even though he's been injured, he can still serve. That Paul, even though he's been questioned and doubted, Paul still makes himself available to this church. This is why it's hard to preach this letter because it's such a deeply personal letter. I mean, he's, it's not like, it's not so systematically set up to teach and preach through. He's just talking about, I've been hurting, but I'm going to tell you this. I've been crying over you, but I'm going to tell you this. He has been injured and burned. And in, in the last sermon we'll preach on this series, when I get to it and get to write it, I do want us to look at the ways in which John Wesley was reconciled to some people. And you see it in Paul's life, too, with Mark. The ways in which Wesley was reconciled with some people that hurt him. And yet, just like this chapter, I'm not this chapter, but this uh, letter says, God's given us a ministry of reconciliation. That Paul and Wesley both push through those hurts. You been burned by somebody? Doesn't mean we have to stay in anything that's abusive or violates us. But... If you've been burned at work or burned in your extended family or even burned at church, but I'm still going to stand up for Christ and still be available. I love how Paul and Wesley were able to do that well. And we're going to finish up with why they could do that, even though they had been hurt. Available with your time and preferences, uh, verses 7 and 14. Available with your hurts, verse 19. But then I want us to go back to 7 through 10. What else is Paul available with? Because this, all of you have heard Bible studies on the thorn in the flesh, so we won't, we won't deal with that uh, this morning. I'd love to talk with you, but if you want to talk with me about that, we can do that. But I love how he's available thirdly with his weakness. And it's not just here in this chapter 12. You go back through this letter. He's already said in chapter 2, verses 4, I'm crying over you. Who shares that with other people? Who shares with, in chapter 7, verse 6, I need the comfort of somebody else to get me through. You're Paul. Stand up. You don't need anybody else. I need Titus to help me get through this situation with this church. Chapter 11, verse 6, I'm not skilled in speaking. I'm kind of unskilled with that, and I'm going to be available and real with you, authentic with you, transparent with you about that. And then you get to chapter 12, where he talks about the thorn in the flesh. Now, maybe you have guesses about what that thorn in the flesh is, but do you remember what was just read to you? Why was the thorn in the flesh given? Do you remember? We miss this. We end up love, we love talking about the speculation. What was it? What was it that was so difficult, right? What was it that got Paul? Why was it given? Do you remember the word? So I wouldn't be exalted. I might struggle with pride. I might be the Pharisee of all Pharisees. And uh, the Satan's going to work on me this way. And uh, it's, it's, it's because of my pride. Who shares that? Maybe you might share, hey, I've got a thorn in my flesh. But who, who adds a sentence? It's because I might be exalted. I'm not going to have it. I wonder if there was a debate. This is me speculating with, with Paul and the Holy Spirit. Do I really have to write that part down? Let me just tell him about the thorn. And the Spirit said to him, that's spelled E-X-A-L-T-E-D. Be real. Be transparent. 
I think it's part of the reason that Mark's gospel, which is the first gospel we believe written, where Mark includes a guy where somebody grabbed his outer garment during Jesus' trial and he ran away with nothing on, it's probably Mark. And he was very, I did it. I did it. We think that Peter told Mark a lot of the details in that gospel. Have you read that gospel and what it says about how many times Peter fumbles? Put it down. That's who I was before I met Christ. And this, I'm just being real. I wonder how we get what Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. You ever thought about that? How do you get that conversation? They're asleep. Now, Jesus has already been real and transparent to come to those three and say, I am at the point of death. Can you guys not stay up with me? He's already revealed that. Who shares that with other guys? But then he goes and prays. How do you know what he prayed? I think as Jesus told him. And if he didn't tell him, the Holy Spirit tattled on him later. It's just like God to say, yes, in the flesh, Jesus is having a prayer about the cup being removed. He felt the weight of that. So much so he was bleeding. His capillaries burst because of the stress. Real, authentic, available. We have a God like that. Even when you read Hebrews, there's talk of that, that we serve a Savior who, who um, was a high priest uh, who, 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 who knows what it is who knows what weakness is. Can you be real with somebody about what you're really going through? Not just talk about how you've been hurt, but to talk about, I'm weak here. Now, Paul does that because he knows he's made me strong. And so I want to be open about my weaknesses so that you can know God can come into those weaknesses you have in your life and he can put his strength on display in and through you. But I'm going to be real. It was given to me because I might be exalted. He gave it, though. He shared it, though. Verse 19, instead of defending myself, I want to build you up. I'm sharing all this stuff with you because I want, verse 19, for you to be built up and be made strong in the Lord. Can God have your weakness to reveal his strength to others? Look, we live in a culture that loves to cover up weakness, right? Don't anybody see what's going on? I'm going to look good. I'm going to cover things up, whatever's going on with my family and whatever's going on. Can you be real with other believers and say, hey, would you pray with me about this? When you're sharing your faith with others, can you say, hey, listen, I'm, I struggle here, but here's how the Lord has been my strength. He has, he has made me uh, uh, strong. I love how Wesley did that too. When you read Wesley's journal, he talks about being continually sorrowful in his young days and had a heaviness of heart when he was young. Who shares that kind of stuff? He even talked about being hurt when he was young. Any of you young guys or young girls who are athletes, you ever tell your coach you're hurt? You should. We don't. I'm going to play hurt. I'm not going to share when I'm physically struggling when I'm young. Now that I'm over 50, oh, my hip. I'll tell it now. But back then, I wasn't going to reveal it. Even when he sets up these small groups, or as Ben setting up some opportunities for men and women to have uh, bands, where you get together with two or three men or two or three women, the first question is, now this may not be the first question for Ben, don't get nervous, but it is for Wesley when he wrote it, how'd you sin this week? And Wesley went first. Here's where I was greedy, here where I was lustful, here's where I was prideful. Because I want to let you know where I'm weak so God can make me strong. 
so you guys can encourage me, so you guys can hold me accountable. He's available even with his weaknesses. And later in life, much later in life, and I love this. I don't love that he got hurt. I want to be careful how I say this. I, after he got hurt. But he, he fell and hit his ankle on a rock and for several days could not, not only could he not preach, he couldn't even stand on it. It was unbearable. And so he had some preaching opportunities on a Sunday that he just said, I will not miss it. So they basically carried him. Who lets people carry you? He let people carry him. You know what I'm doing with the hurt leg? Hey, Ben. <laughs> hey, Ben, uh, you got a sermon in your pocket? It's what I'm tempted to do in the flesh. If my back's hurt or my ankle's hurt and I can't stand up here before you, hey, Ben, it's not Wesley. Carry me there. And he preached the sermons that day on his knees. This is a proper Englishman, a man who's classically trained, degrees, brilliant, well-respected, preached to 60,000, 100,000, and he preaches the sermon on his knees. What an embarrassment. You know what he said he did that day? He said, I opened my mouth to declare to them the wonders of God's love. I bet they heard it. Because this guy had so experienced the love of God, I don't care what you see in me on my knees. What I care about is you know the love of God. Can you be real about your struggles with people that you're ministering to? And when we're authentic and real, and that's what our culture is waiting to hear. Believers who will say, I don't have it all together, but let me tell you how he makes me strong. What a gift to give to people. Last point. It's an available life with time and preferences, with, with our hurts, with our weakness. But lastly, and you see this in Wesley, he talked about this more than any other thing. It's an available life, but looking at verse 10, it's also an assured life. Verse 10, I'm content. We'll talk more about that this week. We're doing a YouTube uh, devotional every day on our YouTube as we go through this series, a little five, ten minute devotional. We'll talk more about this. I don't have as, as much time this morning on it. But I love that Paul is saying, I'm content, even with, the, even with this thorn in the flesh that even the devil's involved with, I'm still content. Same thing with Philippians. You remember that passage. All these things, yet I'm content. Paul does admit, if you go down to verses 20 through 21, yeah, I'm a little bit worried. Yeah, I'm struggling with this church and where you're going to be when I get there. But he starts and begins this epistle with peace. I expect peace. He actually has the word comfort in this letter and the word confidence in this letter more than any other book in the New Testament. I'm worried. I'm broken by you. I'm hurt by you. I am confident what God's going to do in your life. He's given you his spirit as a seal and a pledge. Chapter 1, chapter 5. You should be fully assured of your faith that God's with you. When it hurts, when you're struggling, or when you've messed up like this church has messed up, God's for you. Don't be frenetic. Don't be anxious. Don't be worrying. God is with you. Be confident. Be comforted. And you see that here so beautifully in Paul. And I love that we see that in Wesley. Before we have the Aldersgate experience where his heart was strangely warmed, you listen to Wesley's journal on that boat ride over to America and on the way back. He was scared out of his mind during the storms. He even says when he's leaving, 
I went there to convert the, the Americans. Who's going to convert me? He's even doubting his faith. But after that moment at Aldersgate, he risks his life almost every week. After Aldersgate, he can say from that moment till he's, he's in his dying days in his 80s, I've never, think about this, I've never lost a night's sleep because I'm content in Christ. I'm assured in him. He's able to write in his journal, I fret at nothing. Now, that doesn't mean we don't feel fret. doesn't mean I've got kids. Maybe you have kids or grandkids or friends. There are times at night where I'm left up praying for them and worried for them. But I'm trusting and you are trusting the God of all strength, the God of all provision, that my heart doesn't have to be unsettled because I'm banking on him and on his word. One last story and then we're done. Another mob had come for Wesley. And every one of his society members, and this society could be 30, 40, 50 people, but up to 100 plus people, this group who had worshipped. Another mob had come for Wesley and everybody ran except four people, three, women, uh, three, three men and one woman. And he actually names them in his journal. thought that was interesting. I want you all to know, Carl stayed, Wanda stayed. But this is what he said about them. They kept with me resolving to live and to die together. And he asked one of them afterwards, he asked one of the men, why'd you stay? Because you could have died. Here's what the man said. To die for Jesus who died for me? He wasn't going anywhere. And Wesley said of that man, he had no hurry or fear, but calmly waited till God should require his soul of him. Our culture is marked by hurry and fear. What a gift you can have in your ministry to your kids and grandkids, to our church kids, in your ministry to your coworkers, in your ministry to your friends, of a life of no hurry and no fear, of a life, look, our whole, this whole world's set up on conditional love. You mess up, you're cut. You, mess, you make a mistake like this church, you're out of my life. And yet to love and to stay with, what a, what a gift to be assured of that. The reason Paul and Wesley can do that, Jesus met them. And because Jesus has met you and he's met me, we can be assured and live a life of love like this too. We don't have to be paralyzed by fear or anxiety. Let's pray about that. Father, we thank you for this time together. Father, in response to your word, help us to see those places in our lives, those places where we need to take a next step to be available with our time, our preferences, to be able to press through hurts or even to expose weaknesses for the sake of the gospel. Father, I do pray for us that you would, by the counsel of others or the counsel of your spirit, you would help us to discern when there are times to, to create some boundaries, that we would rightly seek you first so we have something to share, but also if there are places we need to build up a wall and shake the dust off our sandals, you'd, you'd give us that discernment. Father, we especially thank you for this word that reminds us that you've given us your spirit as a foretaste of the glory to be. And I pray we'd rest in that today, that we are in your love, in your grace, and that you're a God who will provide, even in our weakness, even through our hurts, and even use us for ministry. We pray all these things. Bless our response. We pray all these things in Christ's name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.